Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast, proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. The podcast series has been created to shine a light on the diverse and inspiring careers of Australia's pharmacists. Each episode will focus on the varied career opportunities within the pharmacy industry by exploring the career paths taken by leaders in the fields of community pharmacy, hospital, industry, government and professional organisations. Careers never follow a defined path. Everyone's story is different and unique in their own way. The podcast series will help you discover the world of opportunities that exist and reveal pathways to achieve your dreams and aspirations. Whether you are a pharmacy student, early career pharmacist, or simply looking for a change at any stage of your career, the podcast series is designed to help you navigate ways into a career and a life that you love. Your host of the podcast series is Ali Sue. Ali, herself a pharmacist, is now the founder of Global Pharmacy Entrepreneurs and a passionate advocate for pharmacists to grow, innovate, excel, and make a lasting impact in the world. It's now over to our host, Ali Sue. Welcome to Your Pharmacy Career Podcast. This is Ali Sue. Happy New Year. Hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and New Year break. To all the pharmacists who worked during the holidays, thank you for your tireless efforts and hard work. Today, I'm excited to speak to a senior pharmacist from PDL, Hayley Smiley. Hayley is on the PDL New South Wales ACT Local Advisory Committee and is a professional officer for PDL. With over 20 years' experience as a registered pharmacist, Haley has worked as a manager in a community pharmacy, as a hospital pharmacist, pharmacist preceptor for student placements, and national coordinator for a highly regarded intern training program. She has authored continuing pharmacy education materials, worked as a rural remote Section 100 Supply Officer and Coordinated Pharmacists in Remote Indigenous Communities. She has also practiced as a registered pharmacist in the UK. Haley has extensive experience in risk management. As a risk consultant, she is passionate about professional support for pharmacists. In this episode, Haley shared with us her pharmacy journey from a community pharmacist to working for the PSA, Pharmacy Guild, and now being the professional officer for PDL. In addition, Haley worked us through real scenarios to help early career pharmacists reduce errors and minimize risks in the dispensary. If you are interested in the inner workings of the PDL and how they can help you on your pharmacy journey, this is the episode. For you. Without further ado, let's welcome Haley. Hi, Haley. Welcome to your Pharmacy Career Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ali. It's great to be here. Very excited to have you here because you have over 20 years of experience in pharmacy. Tell us about your pharmacy journey. I have been working in pharmacy since 1995. I started way back when as a shop assistant, looking after baby care sections and vacuuming the floors on a Thursday night. I'm sure many um, students and interns would relate to that um, as a starting place. I actually started working in pharmacy initially because my next door neighbour was a pharmacist and he owned a pharmacy um, and I wanted to study medicine and be a doctor. So I thought, well, pharmacy is probably the closest you can get to that until university and graduation. So I took a job there 
um, and really, really enjoyed working in pharmacy and uh, I guess talking to the people and the patients and the relationships you develop. Just looking at your amazing resume, you're an all-rounder. You've been working in hospitals mm-hmm. and you also worked in the UK. Indeed, yes. And also different community pharmacies. You work at PSA and the Guild and you worked everywhere. Now PDL. Well, I think you're the perfect person for us to come to ask for advice. <laughs> yeah, definitely had a very varied background and I've had the opportunity I guess experience a lot of different aspects of pharmacy and the profession um, and and how the degree that you get to study pharmacy can be used in a huge variety of different roles um, and you're really not limited in what you use that for. Looking at your resume from 2005 to 2006 <laughs> you work at Humpty Doo and, yes. and 2008 you're at a different pharmacy. Tell um, us more about that. Yeah, so look, I was married to a Navy officer. So I actually moved on the posting cycle every 18 months. And I'm not talking a move from like a different suburb to a different suburb in Sydney, for example. Um, But I worked in Darwin for two years and then I worked in Canberra and then Sydney and Cairns and back to Mm -hmm. Canberra. So I guess I moved around not necessarily by choice, um, but you know, because of the relationship that I was in. But I did take it as an opportunity every time that I settled in a new location, I guess, to try something a little bit different. Um, so not just go straight to community pharmacy, which, you know, I might be familiar with, or not just go to straight to hospital pharmacy, um, but certainly to try something a little bit different in there and you know, get that experience, I guess, um, something a little bit just out of the box. So, yeah, you mentioned Humpty Doo. So, yes, I did work in Darwin. Um, I worked for an organisation that did Section 100 supply to remote Aboriginal communities. That wasn't the one in Humpty Doo. Um, But as part of that role, I got to fly in and out of the little Indigenous communities um, in the far Northern Territory and also down in the north of uh, Western Australia. And um, I got to go in there and I guess, really see Indigenous communities and how medications are handled in those communities and provide expertise as a pharmacist in that space as well. Mm. Um, So it was really interesting. And then I got pregnant with my first child, so I couldn't fly in those tiny little planes anymore um, because they weren't pressurised. So that's when I took the role at um, Humpty Doo Pharmacy, um, which is a really, like, it's about an hour out of Darwin and you see a lot of tropical conditions out there. So things mm. like mango rash that you don't come across many other places um, in Australia. So certainly interesting, very, very interesting. Well, what are those experiences in the Aboriginal communities help to you later on in your career? I actually had an interest in Indigenous health before I even finished uni. And I went and did a placement up on the Tiwi Islands north of Darwin while I was still a student at uni. And certainly for me, it was an area of need and an area of, I guess, not such good health outcomes where the rest of Australia does have better health outcomes. So certainly seeing that firsthand has definitely shaped the way that my career has progressed and also that I look at health as a a societal matter rather than just an individual health matter. Due to an early career pharmacist, been working in one pharmacy for a while and we feel like every day in day out is very similar. 
what would you say to those pharmacists? Community pharmacy on a day-in, day-out basis can seem tedious and you can really feel like you're not necessarily cutting through and you're not necessarily making a difference, but in actual fact you are. And for each and every person that comes into the pharmacy that interacts with you, you are making a difference on an individual level. Um, so I think that would be the first thing I would say um, is even if you do feel like you're not having that effectiveness, that cut through, you are making a difference even just being in a community pharmacy. As far as stepping out and venturing past your comfort zones. It's a difficult thing to do. Some people are more comfortable with change than other people. Some people are more willing to take risks. In my career, part of the reason I changed jobs so often was because I didn't have a choice. I was relocating. So it realistically, I may not have changed my jobs as often if that wasn't the case. But in saying that, I do really like a challenge and I will get out there and I guess give everything a go once, even if I don't end up finding that it suits me or that it, you know, is my niche, I still mm -hmm. think it's worth trying it. So if you get an opportunity, grab it with both hands. The worst that's going to happen is you'll find out that it's not where you want to be and it'll be an experience to add to your resume or your history. At best, you might actually find a new area that you really do enjoy and that you really do make a difference or feel like you make a difference. Speaking of adding on your resume, you have PSA and Guild on your resume here. How did you get working for PSA or Guild organizations? How did you move from being a community pharmacist to those organizational roles? These pharmacy organizations are quite large um, and there's often multiple layers of roles and things that you go into. There was a role that came up when I was living in Cairns and I actually applied for it in Canberra, knowing that I was due to relocate. And I didn't think I had a chance in getting it, but I threw my hat in the ring and I put in an application anyway. And I got, you know, selected for that role, which is very fortunate. The role ended up largely being relating to reviewing the APF. Um, the Australian Pharmaceutical Formulary, um, which is one of the publications of the PSA. So certainly um, it was a very interesting role and something I had never thought that in my career I would do because you see the APF when you go through uni and you, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes in making mm. that publication. Um, and there's a lot of really, really highly educated people um, that write um, and review and are involved in that content development. By and large, a lot of the opportunities that I've got have been opportunistic and I've seen them and I've just gone for them. Important lesson we learned from that is just go for it. So once you worked with PSA and then the Guild, and then you're more into the pharmacist manager's role and now work as a professional officer with PDL. Yes. Tell us more about that progression. Yeah, look, it, I guess it was a progression over time. Um, I initially started at the Guild working in CPD accreditation, so reviewing and accrediting um, applications for continuing professional development for pharmacists. Um, and look, I certainly found that really, really interesting and also challenging at times and also involved in the accreditation space, so the Quality Care Pharmacy Program. 
um, and, you know, supporting the development of that program. I then moved into a different role within the Guild um, and did intern training program um, for the Guild as well. So look, it was an evolution, even within the same organisation, I moved roles in that space. Um, and I love supporting younger pharmacists, interns, students. Um, so that to me was a natural progression. Moving from the Guild, I actually took a break out of pharmacy for a couple of years. Um, and when I say out of pharmacy, I don't mean I was completely not attached to pharmacy. I still worked in a community pharmacy. I still, you know, kept up with my continuing professional development. Um, but I actually went and worked for one of the big four consulting firms for about three years. And when I was there, I, I started branching more into organisational change and risk management on a higher level um, and looking at you know, some of the processes and procedures within the Department of Health and state governments, as well as defence um, and the other sort of bodies. So that was my stepping stone from there into PDL, which is a combination, I kind of think of it as my sweet spot, a combination between risk management and also member support and pharmacist support. So I really like being able to combine those two backgrounds in one role. What's it like working for these organisations? I think a lot of the time you don't know what it's like until you get into that role. And a lot of it is learning on the job. Mm. So again, you've got to have that comfort level in getting out of your comfort zone and being prepared to try new things and fail and learn and keep learning. Um, you know, one of the biggest things is not, not allowing a setback to stop you from moving forward. So use it as a learning experience and use it as your next stepping stone for what you want to do after that and learning from each experience in that sort of way. What do you do as a pharmacist working for PDL? By and large, a lot of my role is supporting members, so supporting pharmacists at the other end of the phone. Um, I'm part of a team of four, so there's only four of us. We're a really, really small team. So regardless of whether you call during the day or at 2am in the morning, you're actually just going to get one of the four of us on the phone um, at any time of day. What I do in that role, again, supporting members, um, and I always like to think of it as, you know, being that lifeline when it's the worst day possible. So you might have had a really big mistake or a really hard interaction with a customer, somebody screaming at you, which unfortunately we're seeing a little bit more often at the moment. And being able to pick up the phone and speak to somebody that just gets it um, and gets how difficult it can be at the end of the day in pharmacy, for me, is one of the biggest reasons I am there to support other pharmacists. Part of the um, role as a professional officer is supporting pharmacists that have made an error and have a regulatory complaint, whether it be with APRA, one of the state regulators, um, you can call us and that's what your indemnity insurance is for, to support you in that space. Um, but if you have a really um, challenging interaction with a customer as well, that's another time where, you know, there's no guarantee that it won't escalate and they won't later make a complaint. So the way that you handle that interaction, even in the first stages, can be really, really crucial. Um, and we do say to people, look, pick up the phone and call us because, you know, 
if there, particularly if there's something in writing, we can help you to respond to that in a way that is going to support you to move forward. Uh, what are some advice you can give us, especially if we're early career pharmacists? Yeah, look, it is really difficult, um, particularly as an early career pharmacist. It's really difficult to know your capacity um, and to know when you're starting to reach what I call it as the orange zone, where you're starting to not necessarily check things clearly um, So, and where you're getting quite stressed and pressured um, and then that has a flow-on impact to your work. So I think it is important um, if you're not sure to just slow down, take your time to do things. Um, it, it is challenging sometimes because you will have pharmacy staff that don't understand the responsibilities that you have on your shoulders as the registered pharmacist or as the intern pharmacist and they are simply seeing the inpatient customer on the other side of the counter and pushing, 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 you know, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And that can be a really difficult situation to manage. Um, but look, I would just say take your time because it's much better to take a few extra seconds in checking it than to have to manage an incident because you've handed out the wrong medication to somebody. And I think there's still quite a lack of understanding in the general population of the role of a pharmacist um, and that we don't simply stick labels on packets and we do a lot, lot more in the background um, to make sure that their medication is safe and appropriate for them and they just don't realise any of that. So I think there still is quite an education piece needed there for what pharmacists do. I'm so curious what you see, like what are the incidents for? How APRA would give pharmacists notification and what would people complain about? Unfortunately, the answer is people can complain about anything to a regulator. There doesn't even necessarily need to have been an error involved or an incident involved. They can just be unhappy with the fact that you wouldn't provide their Schedule 8 medicine earlier than the repeat interval and they can still lodge a complaint about that. Um, so obviously there's the balance between patient rights and opinions and thoughts and complaints and then what your regulatory obligations and responsibilities are in that space. So one of the things we do is we say to people, look, stick to your guns. You know, if the repeat interval is 20 days, don't dispense it before that because ultimately the regulators if that goes to a complaint, when they see your response, they will see that you weren't in a position to be able to supply that early. And that was an unreasonable expectation and demand of the patient. Mm. Um, so, look, there is a balance between, again, those softer skills and communicating to patients about it um, and also adhering to your regulatory uh, boundaries. So, I'll give you one example that I've had recently in a community pharmacy because I still work in pharmacy these days. Um, and I have had a patient come in on pregabalin. Um, and when I went to dispense it, I looked and saw that they'd only had it two days earlier and it was a supply of 56. So I went out to them and I said, look, you only had it two days ago. What's the story? Oh, it got lost, went in the dog's mouth or whatever. Whatever the reason is, um, and I said to them, look, well, unfortunately, because I work on a weekend, I'm going to have to contact your doctor to authorise supply at this stage. 
But what I can do is I can give you two days supply to get you through until I can talk to your doctor. Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. But it's coming up with those solutions where you're still meeting your clinical responsibilities by not giving out an entire box of 56 to a patient. Um, But if there genuinely is a need for two days supply to get them through to seeing a doctor, you're meeting that and and having that in between. Um, Mm. So that would be the sort of situation where it can be a really difficult, Mm. um, you know, decision to make. Um, and in this instance, the patient said, no, 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 I need the whole lot. And I said, well, I'm really sorry, but just can't assist you. Um, mm-hmm. But it can be more difficult, I guess, for younger pharmacists to stick to their boundaries around mm-hmm. those sorts of areas. And just having like a supportive voice on the other end of the phone saying, hey, I get it. Like it's really tough. Um, but be polite and firm and stick to your boundaries. It probably would be a very different situation if we were talking about a Schedule 8 medicine, but because it was Mm. a Schedule 4D medicine, you have that little bit more uh, leeway to be able to provide support. But again, every situation varies. So that's why we say, look, if you're ever unsure, give us a buzz. We're more than happy to provide that support. And that can be a little bit more difficult when it's a weekend or an unfamiliar pharmacy and you don't have the professional supports that you might otherwise have. Have you ever seen a pharmacist get in trouble when we say no and something happened to not supply the medication? Yeah, look, I think I mentioned before that every every situation is a possible risk either way. Um, And if you do decline supply, there is a risk that the doctor will be upset about it and will make a complaint about it. So from my perspective, it is a balancing of risks and looking at, well, if I do supply this, what are the possible outcomes? And if I don't supply it, what are the possible outcomes? Because some people think by not supplying, that takes away all the risk. Mm. And unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, There are risks with not supplying as well. Um, And it does require a complaint from, say, from a doctor or from a patient, but there still is a risk there. Um, And obviously, depending on the nature of the medication, if there were complications from not supplying it, there could potentially be some liability there as well. So it it is a difficult balance to get right. Um, And it's not as cut and dry as, you know, I just don't supply it and then it's not my problem Mm. Um, because it it could well be still. Um, Mm. But again, that's where, you know, having a conversation with somebody that will say, hey, look, these are the options if you go down path A, these are the options if you go down path B, um, gives you that ability to make a little bit more informed judgment as to what risk you're prepared to take on. Well, thank you. What are some last advice you want to leave with our early career pharmacists? One of the pieces of advice comes back to knowledge and it's know what you know and know it well and stand up for yourself and know what you don't know and who to turn to, where to go, where to look it up. So know, know that really clearly so that you don't try and take a guess on something that you don't really know. The second bit of information um, or advice I would give is around taking opportunities as they come up. Um, if you see something, even if you're not sure whether you are qualified, are experienced, all of those types of things, if you see a job come up, 
that you think, gosh, that looks so interesting. I would love to do that. Go for it. Put your hand up because you're not going to get it if you don't apply. So take those opportunities, put your hat in the ring. You might not get it every time, but go for it. Wow. Thank you so much, Hayley. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Your Pharmacy Career Podcast, proudly brought to you by Ravens Recruitment, Australia's leading specialist pharmacy recruitment agency. If you enjoyed this episode and know anyone else who you think would benefit from it, we would be grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we help even more pharmacists develop a career and life they love. If you have any questions or suggestions about future podcast episodes, please reach out to us via email info at ravensrecruitment.com.au.